Hello, friends. You're listening to Whole and Free, a podcast serving you a heaping helping of encouraging truth to free your soul and make you whole. This is Kathy Schwanke, speaker, author, and encourager of the faithful, here to help you soar on the sturdy wings of truth and love. It's Advent. It means coming or arrival. Most of us recall fondly our anticipation for the day of Christmas to arrive. Whether or not you looked for Santa, which most in my generation would have experienced, or whether you come from or are in a family that focuses more on Jesus and looks forward to the day when you're all together under one roof. The level of anticipation is matched and perhaps only outdone by the anticipation of your own wedding day. So Christmas is a big deal. As adults, our anticipation of the day of Christmas might wane for the responsibilities leading up to the day. We tend to focus on making the day rather than enjoying the day. Because hello, responsibility. I'm talking especially to you who are the card designers, the card mailers, the buyers and wrappers and bakers and food makers. Whew, I'm tired just listing all the things I still have to do before the day. When I was a little girl, dad made us wait as long as he could make us wait for our tree. We pleaded and begged. And the anticipation of it made the day we got it more thrilling. So thrilling, we put on the ornaments as hastily as we could. That was kind of exciting, but most thrilling was when we began to put the tinsel on. And it wasn't long before we got tired of that idea of one at a time, piece by piece. We grabbed handfuls and threw it on the branches. We wanted it done. It often looked like a dozen glittery bird nests had been caught in a north wind on our tree. Of course, mom rearranged it after we went to bed. I must have learned that from her, just saying. Well, Christmas Eve might be the backdrop of my favorite memories, maybe yours too. Those of us in my family who were old enough, as much as we begged and pleaded to not have to go out and milk the cows, couldn't get out of being in the barn until 9 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We anticipated midnight mass. We anticipated seeing Santa. There inside the barn in the fading whitewashed walls, soiled and grim and warmed by the cows, were delightfully frosty windows. The feathery patterns offered their own kind of delight, but we often added our own artwork while waiting between our tasks during milking. We occasionally glimpsed out through the frost. We scraped it off of there to maybe get a glimpse of Santa and his reindeer. I remember one night in particular when my sister Nancy knew that she knew that she had seen Santa. We all <laughs> followed her to the window and eagerly peered out and saw nothing. I often resented the fact that she could see those things <laughs> because I never did. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. I was the one who wouldn't believe the kids who told me Santa wasn't real. I believed my mom until I was in fourth grade. It was then that I recognized Santa's handwriting on the gift tags. When I realized my mom was Santa, my heart sunk, and I felt ashamed for being so stupid. I got over it, of course, but you might have guessed that I wasn't too keen on pretending with our own kids. We read the stories and we watched the movies, but we didn't quote-unquote do Santa. If you do, there's no shame, but I will say that Christmas is enchanting enough without pretending there is a Santa. I mentioned in my earlier podcast that Advent is my favorite season. What I love about it is not only the twinkling lights, the powerful movement of the Holy Spirit in the Christmas story, not only the anticipation for Christmas Day with family, but that we are in a perpetual Advent, the Advent of the second coming of our Jesus. 
It's a double celebration. It's a double anticipation. It's a reminder that the light is going to burst forth one final time in this present darkness, and we will be forever whole and free for eternity. Imagine. Today I want to share something that stood out to me last week in my daily reading. The last chapter of 2 Peter says this about the second coming of Jesus, that it is serving to awaken my anticipation for the second advent. It's entitled, The Day of the Lord Will Come. And so this is verse 1 of 2 Peter 3. This is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember. I love how Peter uh, echoes that so many times because we know in Galatians he forgot some things. And so I think that makes him more zealous to remind people to remember that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the day of the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn, exclamation point. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So the flood flooded, and now there's going to be fire in the last days. But we who have surrendered our lives to Jesus and our new creations, we are heavenly beings already. We are waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. When I read waiting for and hastening the day of God, I paused thinking about this. We know Jesus told us that no one but God knows the day or the hour, but the idea that we might hasten his coming intrigues me. I can't say I've ever heard a sermon on that. Many of us know and say the word Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus. What we mean when we say it is come soon. I think our cry comes most often from our sorrow over the darkness or from our desire to escape pain, which is okay. But I think our king wants us to anticipate his coming for the sake of his coming, to be anticipating with eagerness the day that we can be with him. It seems by Peter's words that the way we hasten his coming is by living holy and godly lives. And it makes sense that the more Jesus has access to our lives, the more effectively his mission will be accomplished, that of seeking and saving the lost. 
In this morning's Advent devotion by Walter Wangerin Jr., in his book, Preparing for Jesus, another of my favorites, he writes that as Mary carried baby Jesus in her womb, we carry him in our hearts and in our behavior. Have you ever thought of it, that your salvation hinges on Mary's yes to God when Gabriel visited her? In the same way, our yes to God is going to be a seed for the salvation of others. Yes to salvation, and yes to obedience, yes to surrender, yes to living our lives for Him. I wonder, is there an area in your life where God is asking you to lay something down or take something up, or to move forward in obedience, to write, mentor, lead a study, call the person who's far away, invite your neighbor over? Will you say yes? I wonder, too, what is your level of anticipation for Jesus' return? Are you looking forward to it and living your life in a way as to hasten his coming? When I was pondering this topic on my run today, hey, I actually ran outside in Wisconsin in December. It was sunny and the sunshine drew me out and I loved it. It was 42 degrees and I was so exhilarated. Anyway, on my run, I remembered a song about Advent by Casting Crowns. I don't think it's actually on a Christmas album, but it became very meaningful to me during the crisis in 2020. I had it on my running playing list and maybe never paid much attention to the lyrics before then, but it's called While You Were Sleeping. And I don't think it's legal for me to read the actual lyrics on my podcast, but what the song is about is God visiting Israel on Christmas Day and how they missed him. The final stanza is asking America if we will be sleeping like Israel was. And I think we largely in 2020 were, and largely still are as a nation. But for those of us who are moving closer to God, we are waking, and that is exciting. I'm not sure if that song is the reason I noticed something in scripture a couple years ago, something that's even more striking to me this year as I saw how deeply God was really loving his people and sending them prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Hosea over and over and over, warning the people over and over and over. It just seemed like he was tireless where I would be so tired but it just showed how he longs that we live pursuing him and looking for him every moment of every day because it's good for us. Never have I seen with such stark clarity the cost of sin. Even though we read that the wages of sin is death, and I know at the end of life there is eternal separation from God for those who don't repent of it, but I see so clearly now how sin brings such death and destruction in this life And it makes me want to shout it all the louder. Jesus came to save you. Take him. Take his offer. Listen to him. Seek him. The story of the wise men following the star of the four Gospels is only told in Matthew. And it reads like this. The visit of the wise men. Verse 1 in chapter 2 of Matthew. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Well, I don't know if you've ever had a question about the Bible, but oftentimes I will just Google a question, and usually the answer from Got Questions is a good one. And this is what Got Questions says about the wise men. Most likely the Magi knew of the writings of the prophet Daniel, who in time past had been the chief of the court seers in Persia. Daniel 9, 24-27 includes a prophecy which gives a timeline for the birth of the Messiah. Also, the Magi may have been aware of the prophecy of Balaam, who was from the town of Pethor on the Euphrates River near Persia. In Numbers 24.17, Balaam's prophecy specifically mentions a star coming out of Jacob. So isn't it interesting wise men paid attention to prophecy? Well, here's what stood out to me and stands out to me in this story that I hadn't seen before. The star appeared and moved the wise men toward Jerusalem. Did they lose sight of the star? Did God take the star away because they knew where to go? Regardless, they did know where to find the answer. And... Can you see God arranging this so the people of Israel would have a chance to go check it out? What's so astonishing is that the Jews knew the answer, but as far as we know, no one went with the wise men. Wouldn't you be curious? You've likely seen it on an ornament or on a meme. Wise men still seek him. How disheartening that those who knew the scriptures didn't have enough curiosity to go check out what the wise men were describing. It's like their anticipation was dead, their hearts dull, their spirits blind. Brothers and sisters, may we be different. May we be watching. May we use this time, this season of Advent, to build our own anticipation for Jesus' return. May we set our hearts on carrying Jesus to the world by living holy lives. May we be wise and seek him with great anticipation. And in so doing, may we hasten his coming. And may I just say that wise children are those children who keep working, milk your cows, yes, but also keep watching out the window, clearing away the frost, looking for the one, capital O, who is coming. And remember, in this second week of Advent, as you set your mind on Jesus, he loves you. He came and died and rose again to set you free. He is with you to reveal himself to you when you seek him. If you're watching, you won't miss him. Do your part of seeking him, and he will do his of saving you. Light the candles, feast on his words, celebrate his love, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. He is coming soon to take you home. In the meantime, I'm here praying for you to gain traction in living your one beautiful life, anticipating Jesus, and trusting him in this season of your journey whole and free. I'd love for you to subscribe, share this podcast with your friends, leave a rating, and I will see you back here.